Oh, <laughs> Kevin, Harley, travelers, I, I, I didn't see you all come in. Welcome to the Penumbra. How was that? That was pretty good, right? That was so unplanned. Genuine. Oh, yeah, I didn't practice that three or four times at all and then totally forgot to do it when uh, Kevin said to go. So no notes. Perfect from me. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Hi, all. Welcome. Happy birthday, if it's your birthday in chat. And... Uh, Welcome to the uh, Q&A for season four. Uh, I am very excited. This was a absolutely wild season, I feel safe to say, uh, across both storylines. Um, but before we begin too much, I think, uh, Harley, Kevin, you have a couple of announcements you'd like to share. Uh, so why don't we kick that off with that? Uh, you'll be the first to hear these announcements. So We do. Do we want? Sorry, do we want to start off talking about uh, what we have planned between seasons four and five? Yes. So in March we have something that we're not going to fully announce yet because we honestly don't have all the details nailed down yet. But our plan is to put out something new, um, a different type of thing than we normally do, which is to say, not like a produced episode of the show and not a Q&A like an entirely different thing because we want to try testing out doing that in between seasons and see how people like it uh Kevin I don't know if there's anything else you want to say about it I think keeping it as mysterious as possible is probably the move <laughs> it's probably safest for us but I think it would be similarly a Patreon only event mm -hmm. um I think probably a live something live online um yeah so expect something to happen in march i'll add to the intrigue they gave me a hint about sort of what we're talking about here and it's very exciting i want to say i think people are really going to enjoy it um especially all you you traveler heads out there uh <laughs> Lord, yeah yeah that's the fan name right <laughs> um and that so that's uh that's march uh, and then in April, we're going to be coming at you all with a bonus episode between seasons. Uh, not going to not going to say what the bonus episode's for, but we are coming at you with the bonus episode. We've already got it planned out. Um, and then Harley, isn't something happening in May? Isn't just a little a little special thing happening in May? Yes, a little special thing is happening in May. And you probably already know, but we are finally, finally getting the chance to do a live real live in-person show in somerville massachusetts may 27th i am so very excited it has been four years <laughs> since we've done that uh -oh. as i have said many times i personally have become aged in the meantime and uh and it's going to be a brand new episode which we've never done before mm -hmm. every time we've done a live show in the past we've been uh reworking for the stage an episode that already existed on the show but this time it will be completely new and i'm really excited to see how uh people like it i'm, I'm working uh, on it in right the past now. you've always oh sorry go ahead kevin i'm just gonna say i'm working on it right now and i'm really really excited to see uh, oh, good. how people like it it's going really well yeah, I know there's a couple people in the chat saying, of course, you know, they're not local. They can't uh, make it. Will you be releasing a VOD as well like we have in the past? That's the plan. That's um, the plan. 
yeah i mean you never know what happens with live stuff and like but but yes we are planning to record it so so don't plan your lives around there being it it's a live event things happen uh but certainly we we hope to have that yes that is awesome is there uh anything else uh happening in the next couple months uh I would like to know if you want to share now, how many months are we going to be waiting for a new episode? That's a very good question. So our current plan, so we've, we've talked to you about March, April, May. Our current plan is to come back at you all with season five at around, we said around the end of June. Um, please be kind. <laughs> please be, please be gentle. Um, because we've, we, uh, we've got a stacked between seasons and we've got a lot of prep to do, uh, for that new season. So this is our current projection. We, I don't think we've ever given a projection before. Uh, I think that might be true. I think we've always just been like soon when we can. Mm-hmm. Um, so be gentle with us, but that's what we're aiming for. We're aiming for end of June to come back at you all with, season five it's so funny how we just come like with our arms full of caveats (laughs) (laughs) because we're i mean as noah coined many years ago we're still just some people in a room uh that is not what he said what did he say he said we're garbage people in a garbage room. garbage people in a garbage room that's right (laughs) that sounds more like him (laughs) and more accurate (laughs) (laughs) yes still true to this day still true yeah um and and also we're you know we're aged we're tired like (laughs) and like i think we've said this before but like every season not only does stuff happen in the world but also between us there's usually like several mental breakdowns that happen and Mm. you can't anticipate exactly when those would happen like maybe it would be great if we could like okay in november i'll have a mental breakdown um but they're kind of like a fun surprise that happens. <laughs> and yeah, and then you never know how long it takes to recover. It's yeah. marvelous. Yeah. So cool. <laughs> so uh, we're going to, I think that's all for now. Um, unless there was anything, am I missing anything you wanted to add right now? Um, so uh, chat, by all means, I'll have my eyes on you. Uh, if you have any questions, uh, you'll be asking, but I'd like to to start, kick things off uh, with the two of you. Um, wow. <laughs> um, this season was uh, fantastic. I, I think broadly speaking, um, what are you most proud of or most excited about that uh, happened in this past season here? Oh my gosh. You know, we were like prepping for this and I forgot that we were going to be like asked questions. <laughs> I was going to come up with answers. Uh, you could ask me questions. I could give you answers. I'm fine with that. <laughs> um, well, I, okay. One thing that I'm super proud of is the three-parter, the Mad Mirages. You know, mm. that was the first thing that came to my mind too, actually. Really? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's become one of my favorites. Really, all three parts. Um, it was like a big logistical challenge, which uh, you people probably know the drill by now. Which is, we set ourselves an impossible problem, and then we're like, "Hey, this is hard to solve." <laughs> um, 
And so we knew like, okay, they need to be able to, all the characters need to be able to cross the desert that it's impossible to cross. Mm-hmm. And then we were like, oh no, what, how are, but, and then they all have to do it in different ways too. So we knew that one group was going to be able to miracle their way across. Mm-hmm. And, but then that left us with two groups, but not only did two groups have to cross the impossible desert, we still needed to make it feel like the desert wasn't just actually easy to cross. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm really proud of the way that we figured it out and that we finally got to have mermaids, which are something that we've been wanting to do for so long. And that it is, they are not the way we originally conceptualized to do mermaids, but I really like what we came up with. It was a very second Citadel take on the mythology. <laughs> Evan, do you remember our original mermaid idea? Uh, our original mermaids were, were fairly murderous, if I remember, right? Uh, I Honestly, I don't know if we got to murderous. Maybe they were murderous. But our old, like, from years and years ago, when we were still just, like, bubbling up with random ideas, um, we wanted to do, like, lady pirates and hot male mermaids. Right. I guess. Um, and then maybe they would be like seahorses. <laughs> right, right, right. I, I remember that part of the reason it took us so long to get places with that was because we were like, these are, this feels, <laughs> this seahorse mermaids feel odd. <laughs> well, yeah. And then also like we ended up making them female to like tie it to the Lamorack story, which we knew we wanted to do at that point. Mm-hmm. And then also, I guess at this point, like it's getting maybe a little old hat for us to be like, what if the opposite gender than what you expected? <laughs> <laughs> we have done that a few times. We've kind of like pushed that as far as I think we maybe can push it. <laughs> Chat points out very helpfully they would be called manmaids. Yes, in this thank case. goodness oh. somebody brought that up. Uh, <laughs> referencing at uh, thing that happened to Noah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The yeah. So you did that sort of oh, what if the gender is unexpected? And then uh, I guess at the end of Second Citadel, you did something else entirely um, that you hadn't done before. How <laughs> how proud of yourself were you, Kevin? <laughs> oh, well, I, I should not take all the credit for uh, for that. Harley and I have been cooking up the, uh, the big twist that happened at the end of Second Citadel literally since... Since season two, I don't think as early as Janice Beast, but uh, but very very early, um, we knew that this was going to happen. It was remarkable and exciting, and I don't know why everyone in chat's listened to it. I don't know why I'm dancing around it so much. Um, and if you haven't, why are you here? Like, go <laughs> finish listening. <laughs> um. So if it's it's been that long, it's all been sort of build up to it. Um, why? (laughs) (laughs) I think it must just have been us sitting down and thinking, okay, so like, what is the deal with the world of the second Citadel? Is it like a flat earth? Um, Mm. you know, is it an alternate planet earth? Like what, what is it? And it like, 
I think we determined it was a flat earth, right? And then we came mm-hmm. up with the end of the world and then we're like, well, what if something is over the end of the world and it's just completely different? Um, and then what if those people came up or what if they had already come up um, and it came from there? And then as has now been revealed, I think the first solid hint of that is in, I think it's Hallowed Halls of Helicoid. Uh, whenever Angelo uh, starts talking about the podium. And I don't know that we thought it would take us this long mm. to get to it, but it, it ended up being like we had so much to get through in, in order to follow through on it. Um, Yeah, but it's been so many years. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I think that one of the big things is once we did, like, kind of like you said, once we determined that there was an end of the world that comes packaged with the question right which is and then what right it's the same it's the same question that i think that we have when we are told that the universe is finite right and then what um and it's much more fun for there to be an answer to that than not i think i love the concept because it's been clear for a while we've known that the edge of the world is a real thing that these are a bounded place but what is sort of on this I'll call it a disc. What is on this flat earth has been so sort of uh, focused on that. I don't know that a lot of people were even thinking about what goes beyond that. Every time there was a little hint of, Oh, what's this weird uh, metal near the edge? Uh, There was always, Oh, also there's a giant slug monster and we better deal with that. (laughs) (laughs) So I love that the time you picked was sort of, okay, so now we need to reveal it. How about, uh, now when all of the pieces are in place and the tension is so high and brother is turned against brother uh and now here come the planes <laughs> uh it's it's just fabulous it's it's so exciting um the the whole build up of all of those people coming together traveling through the desert coming to the same city um i don't think anyone I can imagine if anyone's a fan of the penumbra that they were saying to themselves, wow, I hope the Citadel, I hope the second Citadel is right. And monsters are bad. (laughs) (laughs) Like I I would feel really bad for that person if they couldn't read between those lines. (laughs) Um, But you know, beyond that, it's just uh, really exciting uh, to get there. Uh, What was it? What's it like writing for so many characters at once? And this is a fine segue into Juno Steel as well, because you have built up quite the ensembles now in both storylines. Harley gets mad at me for how many characters we've built up at this point. (laughs) You know, it's my fault. Right. It's it's equally our fault. But one of the nice things about co-writing is that uh, nothing's ever completely your fault. It's it's always also the other person's fault. <laughs> always have somebody to blame. That's huge. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, I mean, uh, I definitely like. I give Kevin a hard time about this because he's doing all the work, um, and <laughs> so like I'll. It's what's I think must I imagine is very hard. Um, is there's so many characters at this point that keeping all of their voices distinct from one another is just an incredible task. Um, so 
I guess in some ways that makes it my job since Kevin's actually the one sitting down and writing the scripts to go through and be like, mm, this character, like this line sounds like this other character. I've heard this other character say this thing before. Um, and I think we need to change it. Even if it's from Juno to Second Citadel, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. because we know the same people are listening to the whole thing. And so I still don't want there to be overlap. Um, but it's definitely a lot to keep track of. Mm-hmm. And I Does think, it, uh, has it, oh, sorry, Kevin, go ahead first. I was just going to say that I think that one of the biggest challenges that we run into on the planning end is how do we make sure that all of these characters have, have a moment or have like, if not an arc, then at least something satisfying, right? Um, like it's not, we don't really have the time to do a full arc for every character, every season, then our seasons would be three times as long as they are. Um, mm. so it's, so we kind of need to pick who's the most relevant to what's going on right now, but everybody else can't just be set dressing, right? They can't just be along for the ride. They need to be there for a reason. They need to be significant. Um, and that has been really challenging, but I'm, I'm really happy with how we've done it. I think that we, we set ourselves up with a massive challenge in that regard in second Citadel. Um, but I'm really happy with how the season four finale came out in that way. And then I think sometimes the solution is just, we have to put some characters away. Now we're putting them away. Um, Which is definitely, you know, what we're doing at the end of this season in Juno um, is putting a number of characters away, which it sucks. Like it's very heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Have to do that. Um, You know, whether they're dead in universe or whether they're just not coming along for the ride in universe. Um, it's it's very hard to say goodbye, but I think it's healthy. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, on that note, there's a question in chat from uh, Eloise Bernier. Uh, <clears throat> have you planned to bring back any old side characters to season five? There's a bunch of characters, especially for the Junoverse that we haven't seen since season one or season two. A lot of people in the chat are saying, where's the Prince of Mars? Um, so maybe as an example, <laughs> why, why don't we start there? Um, <laughs> are we bringing back specifically the Prince of Mars? Yeah, yeah, I, I, that seems to be the vibe, yeah, uh, the dancing around cool. it a little bit. But, <laughs> yeah. I feel like this will be lost on people who listen to the recording later <laughs> and cannot see the chat. Um, I don't know that. We we know essentially what's happening in season five for Juno, but mm-hmm. not to the extent that I think we know which characters are going to be in it, which is actually mm-hmm. an amazing place to be in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure, you you have direction but room to play. That's marvelous. Yeah, that's like the yeah. ideal place. So honestly, I don't have a great answer for that. I think that something that something that's might be kind of useful to take out of that also has to do with like our our story planning process from, from big to small, right? Because we yeah. have, we've, we've got a lot of the big stuff down. Um, and like I've said before, we always make sure that like, if we're going to raise a question, we have an answer, even if we sub it out for a better answer later. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, but as you kind of get uh, into the more granular episode by episode stuff that we are often figuring out as we're going along, right? Uh, is mm-hmm. because essentially I think that leaves us a lot of freedom, for example, like 
what has the vibe of the last couple episodes been? Has it been really, really dark? Can we get like a fun one in here for God's sake? Um, uh, and I like, uh, I don't know. I even used to kind of, I even used to run my like classes back when I was a teacher the same way is that, yeah, I know, I know the big level stuff. And then on the smaller level, it's very useful to have the freedom to feel it out. Yeah. Well, let me ask you sort of a broader question then. Um, no promises, but is there something from previous seasons, either a character or a concept or an idea you wish you had time to explore that you may or may not uh, show up that uh, you that's missed? A, that's a good question. We've had a couple of Second Citadel character ideas that uh-huh. we, like, I think at this point have given up on. Right, Harley? I think there's just not, there's no space. Yeah. I actually, yeah, no, I still absolutely have like a ledger of Second Citadel plotline ideas that would entail new characters. So like, absolutely not at this point. Like, we yeah. already have so many. Um, yeah. Wait, what's the question? Things that we have already touched on and wish we could do more of or things that we didn't get the chance to? I guess either or. Here's your chance to tell us something that ain't going to show up again. <laughs> But uh, you wish could. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, it's very funny to think back because, like, you know, we started writing this in 2015 mm-hmm. and things have changed and we've changed. And so some of the old plot ideas, like, they kind of feel like even if we did have room for them, they feel a little out of date. Mm. Yeah. Which is crazy. Mm. (laughs) Um, because it hasn't really been that long but I guess culture moves fast but um, I don't remember if we've talked about this before but like for years I like vaguely had this idea of like another woman knight Mm -hmm. um, who came along after Sir Caroline and and I apologize if I have actually already talked about this in a commentary or something, but there's this idea of um, another woman knight who um, comes along after Sir Caroline and she's not a sir, she's a lady. And she drives Sir Caroline insane because she kind of gets to have it all, like being feminine and everyone thinks she's attractive, but she's also a really good and tough knight. And Caroline has a really tough time um, dealing with that. And it's like a little bit of this like, various waves of feminism um mm-hmm. like bumping up in competition with each other but uh it just feels like not the vibe anymore <laughs> yeah that was the Kevin, i don't know this is this is a little bit of a sidestep from the question i guess but like i i whenever we put a character away i always wish that we could do more with them and so mm. there are I would say that every uh, every major character that we've had who hasn't come back, like I, uh, the one who's coming to mind right now is is Ramses. I, I miss Ramses all the time, um, mm. and there is like this yeah, is, you know what I mean, and like just because he was so fun to write, and often I f- often I don't really know if I've done a really good job with a character that takes place in a limited space until the very end if i feel this sense of loss like man there was so much i wish we could go back and do uh in season four i feel that way about tristan 
Um, I, I, I already miss Tristan quite a lot. Um, and unfortunately that tells me that I did it right. <laughs> right. That like, I'm, I'm supposed to miss him. If I miss him, that's a good sign. Um, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I love both those answers. Uh, here's an easy one. Cause it's a, I think a yes, no, or maybe, uh, is Sasha wire dead? <laughs> a couple of people in the chat saying that, you know, <laughs> That is actually kind of a hard question in a way. I think I, I think I do want to answer it. Yeah. Kevin. Sure. Um, but I want to answer it by referencing an email we got from uh, a listener who might be in this chat. Seems likely. I don't know. Um, worth saying as a very, very brief side note, we've been getting so many lovely emails from people throughout the season and they have just, it's, it's difficult for us to respond to them because like sometimes, for example, if you make a correct prediction, like we can't say anything to that. Can't say anything about it. Um, (laughs) I want to let everybody know that we appreciate that so much. Your emails are not going to nowhere. We are reading them. We talk about them with each other. They really mean a lot to us. We just, don't have the ability to respond to all of them um especially if they're right (laughs) i guess um but anyway we we got an an email from a listener who i'm not going to identify if they wish to identify themselves they can if they recognize what i'm gonna say um but they had a response to that last episode with sasha and i think i'm i think what they said was something like um she i guess she probably died in the explosion but i'd like to think that she made it out and is able to start some kind of life um without the burden of who she used to be and that's sort of my answer and it's hard to mm-hmm. say because right as one of the people who came up with it i should be able to tell you yes, she's dead or no, she's not dead. But my real answer is she probably died, but maybe she didn't. And we'd like to think she didn't. Well, she already went out of her way to kill Sasha Wire, right? And now Director W is destroyed. So whether there's anything left to live, it's sort of uh, out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I like that. Some, in the um, same way that it's satisfying for us to make it so that sometimes the audience doesn't know, in cases where we feel like we've done everything that we needed to do, it is often very satisfying to make it so that we don't know. Um, yeah. And that's yes. and they look to us, the creators, as well. Right. I love that. I, that's uh, the sort of pleasure of the undrawn map, right? Um it's room to explore if you want, but you're trying to tell a specific story that needs every detail can never be answered. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Another question from the chat. Uh, Sarah Lunau says character wise, who was the most difficult to write? Who posed the most challenge to develop properly without falling into cliches? And I guess we can contain that question to this season. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I would give two categories of answer for this. And the first one is just in terms of voice. Um, <laughs> we had to work pretty hard to make sure that Sir Tristan wasn't just Foghorn Leghorn. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, 
which like it's that i think the i think his accent was a there's a dog in it moment for you harley i think that was a demand that you made of me uh yeah it might have been um okay now we always say there's a dog in it as a shorthand i think it might require slightly more explanation i know we've explained it before i just am not sure if every single person who's listening remembers this we've told this story internally so many times that it's possible that we've telephoned it to death but the way that i remember it is that there's a famous story about the game designer peter molyneux who is like has put together a lot of has been at the head of a lot of really impressive games and is also famously pretty difficult to work with um where like in the middle of i think fable three the development of fable three he like came into the room where the programmers were and just said there's a dog in it and left um and harley and i talk about that a lot whenever harley has a specific demand uh good like hall of famers include uh juno's wedding dresses in this one um, yep which I- <laughs> that was a question in the chat as well so i was saying did harley ask for any dogs this season <laughs> did i i know i did um but i guess i've been asking for a lot of dogs for like upcoming stuff so yep. i'm trying to remember if there's anything that was contained in this uh well um i think a lot of mad mirages was a lot of dog yeah there's a dog moments um yeah i was right did, did i maybe i feel like i drove you completely up the wall with um okay kwan yi like experiences the entire like making and unmaking of the universe and you were like what <laughs> <laughs> i was excited no i was excited about that one that was less there's a dog in it and more um something that you're totally justified in doing because it's my job to figure it out um, but that was one where there are several versions of that scene of Kwan Yi's specific hallucination in there, because I would write like a whole thing and show it to you. And we would both kind of be like, this ain't it. Don't know why. Um, yeah. but this isn't it. Uh, and that's always extremely frustrating to hear, but I'm, but I'm here. <laughs> I've made it. Um, and then like, and then I think, you know, the Angelo and Ale dreamlike conversation and mad mirages you were like i don't know about this and i a lot of it i was like i'm just gonna handle it in post just i'm just gonna handle it Mm -hmm. Uh, because i had a very clear vision of what i wanted to do with it and you were like okay there's dogs in it (laughs) always a dog in it (laughs) uh question from mero in chat uh favorite joke or bit from this season something you were really proud that you slipped in um, there was one joke that I, in uh, Embrace of Ice, that I ran by both of you, actually, both uh, both Jason and Harley, um, basically because I wanted to know whether it was even a joke. Um, and I and didn't never saw anybody react to it, but I still have a very soft spot for it. Um, and it, Juno says something along um, the lines of, uh, it it's some it's like the bank account has more uh o's than uh the word that i'm thinking of do you know what the word that is and he just says "Ooh, oh yes that yes. was <laughs> um i actually just remembered some of the jokes because i went back into kevin with into our chat because i was recently re-listening to again mad mirages and i 
messaged you and was like, wait, these jokes are so funny. Um, and one of them is when um, uh, Rilla and Aram and Tal lose Damien, like he disappears with Tristan and she goes, mother. And then all of the like birds yeah. and animals come flying out and <laughs> cut her off. I think that's so funny. Um, and then also when they're underwater with the mermaids and one of the mermaids says, release the sharks. And then they all start barking. <laughs> <laughs> that's just so funny. <laughs> no, those are, those are very good. <laughs> Uh, here from uh, Lady Shakespeare, a question for Harley and Kevin. Uh, Juno's monologues are more focused on his emotions this season. Uh, was his new monologue voice difficult to figure out? That's an interesting question. Um, I didn't notice the change, mm. so mm. that doesn't that doesn't mean that that doesn't mean no that it was easy to figure out because I did spend a lot of time trying to. I guess what I'm saying is I wouldn't have known to quantify it that way. Uh, that that was the difference. But something that has been really interesting about writing Juno this season is that he's at a stage of getting better and both like recovery and just becoming a better, stronger person that is a difficult one uh, because he's no longer self-sabotaging as much. The things that used to get in his way, the really obvious things are largely taken care of not entirely but largely um which means that when he's still struggling there is a lot more soul searching that needs to happen because it's a lot bigger of a question of what the problem even is right before i think it was a lot more obvious it's like okay juno you need to stop being a dick you probably need to drink less uh and uh you know actually treasure the people around you and he's doing that um so the question is now like if i'm doing all these things and i'm still struggling what's what's going on uh and so i think that probably the focus on the emotion is because he needs to dive a little deeper to figure that out i wonder if um i may be off base in asking this but when you started writing juno he was so much that hard-boiled noir take um that's really been moved away from uh how conscious was that or did like did that moving away from the tone come first or did the characters evolving come first and change the tone do you want to comment on that harley no keep going uh I'm curious what you have to say so i think that you know this is part of the reason that we needed to redo murderous mask years ago at this mm -hmm. point mm -hmm. um was that i think in the original murderous mask J juno is that character type he's he's very i mean one of the mm -hmm. biggest differences is that he's really cool um yeah and i think that as we've gone forward we've been asking a lot of questions about like what the extent to which he is cool what's the cool affront for uh cool has a purpose you aren't there is People that are, there are, Juno's not the kind of person that is just cool by default, right? He works at it. He tries really hard. And then the question is why? Um, and so over time, I think that what we're seeing is he's taking himself a little less seriously too, which is part of the reason that he's getting a little bit more ridiculous uh, over time. Um, 
there's also definitely a part of it that is over the course of season three, seeing him from other characters perspectives and seeing mm. like how completely goofy he is in that um, was a side of the character that I really fell in love with uh, over the course of writing season three. And so it's been, it's been a lot of fun and it's been really fulfilling to land on that a lot harder. That's great. Uh, did you have anything you wanted to add about that, Harley? No, I love that. Um, I want to jump to another question that's popped up a couple times in, in various forms uh, and feel free to answer as much of it as you want. Uh, Nereev, how much of his story had you planned in advance? Um, because, you know, his whole sort of debt storyline was not something we, you know, had an inkling of early on. Um, so uh, how did you come up with uh, using him in that way in this season? Well, we definitely had some portion, some outline of it by mid-season three. Earlier, because we had yeah. to. We, we, I would say we had a lot of the details hammered down by mid-season three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we knew of the existence of the debt way before that. Well, did we have to know that by the beginning of season three? We confirmed that at the beginning of season three, but you and I were already talking about it even well before that. Yeah. Um, And then I think, well, I do remember that that weird little aside that happens at the end of Mega Ultrabots where we completely break the rule of the POV character Mm -hmm. um, because Rita walks away and then we get that private conversation with Nereev and somebody on the other end of the comms. Yeah. and I very distinctly remember you talking about how writing that was a way of holding our feet to the fire mm-hmm. um, and making sure that we had to follow through on that stuff. So I know that we had more of it nailed down by that point. Um, and we knew about Slip for a long time. Because like, cause I think people have been sort of asking us this question in various forms, particularly people who were aware of those earlier versions of Angel of Brahma. Because mm. there's those early drafts where Nereev has a childhood sweetheart. Holy moly, Pint Slice is snoring <laughs> like you just would not believe. Thank goodness there's our Pint Slice check. <laughs> I know. We're all there worried about is. that. There's that beautiful angel. <laughs> Slice Watch 2023. It's like horribly snoring. Anyway, um, yeah. So, yes, I think somebody is correctly saying this in the chat. Yeah, Slip is the new version of K, who might even have had a different name before that. I don't even know. But, yes, we had, yeah, that character was originally named K, and we changed it. Um, so we had this idea of Nereev's childhood sweetheart, and then we could not fit all of that into Angel of Brahma. So in the millions of drafts that Kevin wrote of that episode, that ended up getting lost and we focused on Mag instead. And sometimes when we rewrite and change to a new draft, we just throw away the old stuff, but sometimes it lives on in some form. And so I think in this case, we were like, okay, well, we decided we couldn't include a story about his childhood sweetheart, but that doesn't mean he didn't have one. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was the basis for, mm. for developing this storyline. Yeah. 
we, so in some ways, I guess we've had it all the way back since season one. Yeah, we we've had a ton of Nerea of Down since Angel of Brahma. I would say, like, did did we know about the debt in Murderous Mask? No, but I would think yeah. no. But I think that even by the end of season one, you and I were having conversations about like, what is what is this? What is this whole deal? What is this jerk doing with all this money? Like, right, right. That was a huge problem. <laughs> right. Uh, that was a that was a problem, a narrative problem that we were aware of from pretty much the very beginning. Um, and so I think we've had, I remember our very first conversations about the debt were around the time that I was doing 40 drafts of Angela Brahma. (laughs) (laughs) Remember what, back when we had time to write 40 drafts of an episode? Yeah. Uh, but did, did we have time? Oh, we were spry young things of 25. We could do anything. I was much, I was much more willing to work myself to a nervous breakdown back then. I think that. Yeah. Well, you hadn't had as many nervous breakdowns. So you had like more in the tank. You know? That's true. I'm more experienced now. <laughs> <laughs> I got I don't think Kevin and I were ever spry, Harley. I'm not <laughs> you can speak for yourself. Oh, relatively. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> more spry than now. Um, <clears throat> Well, I I hope that answers it, chat. I know my entire Tumblr feed is obsessed with this question, so I hope that actually uh, helps. And uh, I feel pretty confident we'll see a little more of Nerea of next season. Um, don't want to put you on the spot or anything, but uh, it seems like if I'm draw reading between own, the lines... Draw your own conclusions, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, a couple people I saw Sarah Deal point out uh, now uh, Juno Steele is a soft boiled detective. So, That's so please, funny. you need, I, I, I <laughs> wanted to make sure we didn't skip over that. Oh my God. Um, That's a top tier joke. Yep. Yep. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, no, he's, uh... sorry, I just lost the question I had. Uh, because this is useful. Because um, a soft-boiled egg now. Here is a question I think you can answer really quickly. Um, will the penumbra change forms again, like when it was a hotel slash train? Oh my god, no. Yes, thank you. <laughs> also, I'm really sorry if people can hear the car alarm going off outside my window. It does that with frequency. Um, yeah, no, I have had it up to here with, with sound designing like the penumbra and its various forms and it was like really funny how long it would take me to sound design just those little intro and outro sections w- that didn't contribute anything to the story and at a certain point and i guess it was probably season three when i was it season three when I gave up or yeah. was it season four? Season four? Whatever. I was just like, I've had it. And I just stopped. And I was like, I'm keeping the rain and I'm keeping the music and we're in a void. I don't care. And maybe nobody will notice. And uh, people notice and ask <laughs> questions. And I refuse to answer them. Uh, yeah. So really, I'm very lazy. That's, that's your answer. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't think I should let that self-evaluation stand uh <laughs> no i don't think we've ever answered that publicly but it's not because we're being secretive it's just whether i'm lazy no but why <laughs> why the intro and out, why the intro and outro change so much and it like 
just couldn't take it anymore. A lot of it was... It That's took... true. You answered it to me because I was one of those annoying people who was obsessed with it. <laughs> it, took, it took you a ton of time every episode, and we're already crunching hard to get every episode done, so I don't know. I mean, honestly, even without that, the intro and outro take a really long time to put together, and I'm just like... I'm always grumpy about it. Like, that's by far my least favorite part because it's not creatively interesting, satisfying. It's the same every time. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's not, a, it's like a chore for me. So I just wanted to, to make it as efficient as possible. <laughs> um, I saw someone say, we're planning to go for about an hour. So make sure you get any last, uh, you know, questions in for the next 15 minutes. Um, Allison Hole asks, uh, any plans to have more episodes in the Junoverse from other people's point of view? Um, I loved when we did that. I don't even know if you planned that far ahead. Um, and certainly we've lost a number of people who could have, <laughs> you know, been point of view characters, but, uh, have you thought about doing that anymore? Kevin, do you want, I, I could answer it, but do you want to? Yeah, I'll, I'll say because that's on like the episode planning level uh nothing mm -hmm. is set in stone but but my gut says no um just because that was that was season three's thing um mm. and there are times when i would i would love to go back and uh and kind of crib a previous season's thing but one of the things i think that makes it special is that it's limited you know yeah absolutely um there's a couple questions here Harley, well, first, just a lot of praise for the sound design, but then someone specifically asks you know, what this season was the, the biggest challenge for the sound design. Biggest challenge? Um, God, I should start, like, taking notes as I go so that I can remember this stuff. Kevin, do you remember <laughs> any moments where I, like, was really grumpy <laughs> about sound design? Not moments where you were grumpy, but I do remember moments where you were triumphant. I don't know if you oh, want you to talk about what? one of those instead. Uh, I, I remember those better. Um, actually, I think that something that drove me very nuts was Infernal Grind. Mm. Mm. Um, and having to do the whole sequence where we go through multiple days in the prison and the whole routine. And um, so it's going back and forth with like Juno's narration and the stuff that Palomine is saying over the intercom and um, the different like backgrounds of all the different places in the prison that they go. And then some types of backgrounds are more challenging for me than others. Like for example, I generally find something like a cafeteria, which did happen a couple times in that episode, quite challenging because when you have sound libraries and stuff, you're definitely going to be able to find restaurant background, but that doesn't sound the same. And then in this case, it was like, everybody's eating and nobody's talking. That's not like a sound effect that exists. Yeah. <laughs> like a giant room full of people eating and nobody talking. Cause that's mm. a really freaky thing <laughs> for there to be. So then it's like, okay, I guess I just need to, take many, many sound clips of one person eating and layer them all on top of each other and add some reverb or something. So that's like kind of a misery. And then it's just for the three seconds that Juno's in the cafeteria. So it's just like 
an incredible amount of audio tracks and work for just a three second reward. So that was very frustrating. The whole thing was absolutely saved by Ryan Vibert's incredible um, uh, version of Bolero. Yeah. Music that he wrote for it. Um, but that was really frustrating. Um, for moments that were wonderful to design, I'm going to go back to Mad Mirages again. I was thrilled about the underwater episode that made me so happy. That, on the other hand, that was like relatively low difficulty and high reward. Yeah. <laughs> um, and well, it was harder to do the part where they come up out of the water, but I was really happy about how it came out. Um, and I was really happy about Mad Mirages part three as well and like all of the dreamlike stuff and the singing um that was super rewarding is um i see ashley wilson in the chat says big mermaid i remember how proud harley was about figuring out big mermaid yes, <laughs> yes. You're big mermaid. she's huge <laughs> all uh, i want to do is see you turn into Kevin. A giant woman. A giant woman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that whole episode, the, the whole infernal grind was uh, very anxiety inducing. The sound design alone was amazing, let alone, you know, the, the stakes and the tension there. Um, it was, I'm just thinking about it and my heart's starting to race <laughs> a little bit. Oh, thank you. So that's, I think that's, thank you for that's, Thank you for reporting your discomfort to me. It's a high compliment. Yeah, You're love, very welcome. We love to hear about it. Oh, good. Another slice update. That's perfect. She yeah. is perfect. Okay, good. Still perfect <laughs> chat. No worries. Um, I see. Okay, I see. There's so many questions. We don't have a ton of time. Um, oh, a lot of a lot of giant women uh, joining the <laughs> chorus. Um, and then let's see here. Here's one I really like. Uh, and I'll stipulate for both Juno Steel and for the second Citadel. Um, can you both give one word to describe next season for each? So four words total between the two of you. Uh, <laughs> um for Juno, I'll say yearning. Oh my god. You can't say yearning. It's a word. It's one it's too word. Too late. It's out there. To say. Not this group of people you can't say yearning. yearning. Um uh, I have a word but I'm really worried that it's not accurate. Like it's not really representative of what it's going to be. It's just so I'm I'm gonna say it with that caveat, but it's sort of the feeling that I guess I have, but redemption. Hmm. I like that. Okay. So not necessarily a plot, but a feeling, a mood, redemption. Yeah. I'm back. I was there. Now I'm here. I'm I'm so with it. <laughs> um and then for the second citadel. Um Let's say, um, okay, I don't mean this literally, but Phoenix. Mm. Cool. I like that. Mm. 
and Kevin? I don't mean this literally. <laughs> and it's also not as good as Harley's. <laughs> but uh, cataclysmic. So you you all heard it here first. That's your first taste of next season for both. I'm very excited. Um, just a couple minutes left, so I want to hit a couple last little points. First off, um, importantly from both of you, uh, Lord Arm update. How are we feeling? How is the boy? Are we proud of him? Where's he going from here? Why isn't there more fan art of Talfrin and Arum building <laughs> a zombie together? Um it's a little crazy, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually really pleased and excited about Lord Aram stuff going forward. Mm-hmm. Like we just had Kevin, we like just had a conversation about stuff regarding his character going forward, and I'm I'm really happy about it. It is not where I thought things would go with him at all when we first came up with him as a character. Um, and I'm really excited about it. In Second Citadel, he's one of the characters whose direction I'm most excited about. That's 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 not me pandering to this specific Jason me. audience, um, <laughs> but that's that's the truth. I'm extremely excited about what we have planned for Lord Arum next. And I also, I mean, I do also want to say, again, with the caveats, there's not going to be like a huge specific focus on him just in the sense of like, there's so many characters that we do have to account for over the course Mm -hmm. of the season. Mm -hmm. Um, So I wouldn't expect it to be like, all right, it's Lord Aram all the time for this whole season. Um, But, but he will have an arc and there will be stuff happening with him. And I am very excited about it. Right. A little behind the scenes when we're planning out the, like a season or a whole huge story arc, especially in Second Citadel, we do have separate notes for each character uh, and kind of where they're going to go and what they're going to do. Um, so Arum's arc for the span of time that we have planned is really exciting. I mean, this can be totally off base, just my impression. I always feel like the Second Citadel is all of these characters working through these events, whereas Juno Steel is all these events working through this one character. Um, so this the whole feel you you can't really get that focus. It's not really the the same thing. Uh, it's not going to be the season of Aram. If it were, I think people would be fine with that. <laughs> but uh, just say, yeah. I did a quick poll: one hundred percent of the voters within this household <laughs> would be fine with that. <laughs> Um, all right. So we are nearly at the end here. Uh, I wanted to do, uh, two more things. And the first thing of course was, I think you guys had one more announcement, one more thing you wanted to, uh, bring up before the end. Indeed we do. We do have one more announcement. Uh, Kevin, do you want to, or should I, um, I can do it. Uh, I see a lot of people in chat asking about it. Uh, and, uh, we have to, we're excited and uh excited to tell you all that uh season five is going to be the final season of the penumbra podcast um both juno and second citadel are gonna wrap up over the course of season five um (laughs) we've been prepping for this for a long time i'm so excited for where i feel like we're i i feel like we figured out the right spot me too Um, I thought I would never, 
ever be ready. And now I feel ready. And I also feel proud of ending it because one of my greatest fears is like just carrying on as long as we can still make any money off of it, even when it's not, you know, doing anything interesting anymore. And I have always wanted to end it before it got to that point. Um, and I think we're going to be done with the stories that we're telling over the course of another, another season. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure that uh, after that, that's the end of your creative outputs entirely. Is that correct? <laughs> that is not correct. Oh, silly me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're not going to say too much about it now but you should not expect the penumbra podcast to be the last time you hear from us well i'm very excited um i this is not the time to get it's not over yet what what am i doing uh (laughs) wow great season incredible storylines and can't wait for the end of them to wrap up. So uh, we know we're going to have uh, some really exciting finales uh, for both. We're going to see our favorite characters living large, I hope. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I guess before uh, we finish, uh, requested many times, I felt so bad. But it's really a great way to end after that news. Uh, do you both mind joining me in a breathing with the boys? <laughs> yeah, take us, take us away, Jason. All right, so. Travelers, I've been Jason Mellon. It's been my pleasure to read through your nonsense. You are so special to me. Uh, And I've been joined today by... Harley Takagi Kaner. And Kevin Vibert. All right, let's wrap it for today. We had a great breath. We felt uh, everything we needed to about Lord Aram. And I will see all of you uh, that can make it at our live show. Goodbye for now, travelers. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.